What's good, guys? It's your host, Adrian Evans. Welcome to the Black Wealth Media Podcast, where we dive into the stories of black entrepreneurs and we talk about how we can create wealth and build legacy within the black community. Let's get into this episode. How you doing, man? Hey, what's going on? What's going on, man? Welcome to the Black Book Media Podcast episode. Um, I'm your host, Adrian Evans, guys. I have a special guest, Dominic Walker. Uh, he's the CEO of A Touch of Art. And uh, go ahead and tell yourself about, tell the audience about yourself, Don. Um, I'm originally from uh, Creekmont, North Carolina. Most people have not heard of it, but it's uh, near Durham, North Carolina. Um, as far as my Touch of Art location, I am a uh, master barber there, and I also sell art at this, I guess you could say this safe haven. <laughs> um, I got that idea based off of uh, me living in Winston-Salem. Miss Winston-Salem is an uh, art, art, art district, okay. and uh, it's got a lot of old buildings, a lot of old art, a lot of, it's an old city. So... Right. Uh, the first shop that I worked in, it was a uh, male-only shop for the most part. Um, so I knew it was lacking some kind of artistic value to it, even though, you know, we were in the city. I feel like it should embrace it somewhat. Um, the second shop, it was a women's-only shop. Same thing. It was lacking that artistic value to it for the city. Yeah. Um, so I figured once I started, to open my own that I would go ahead and incorporate that and I think it has worked tremendously towards adding uh, an extra eye for some of the places downtown and on top of that it brings in more business since most people come to Winston-Salem to see uh, a lot of the art being used there. And and that's pretty cool man. I, I know uh, when you first opened your shop a touch a touch of art and then you know I saw some of the events that you were having on social media. I thought it was pretty dope. So that's pretty cool man. I appreciate well, it. No problem man. So so how did so how did you um like whose art do you sell? Do you, do you have is it some of your art or do you have like art from other artists? So they're local artists. Uh when I started, I solicited uh, through advertising to try to find local artists. Yeah. I was, my focus was trying to gear towards people who were just starting out doing art that didn't have the money to pay for a, a, a spot, an yeah. art gallery, like a complete art gallery, per se. So I figured I would start there, um, give people the opportunity that typically wouldn't get it. Yeah. So I started at the schools, uh, School of the Arts, Winston-Salem State University, Wake Forest. And I say with about 30 inquiries, I got about five or six people that decided to bring their pieces there. So I think I started off with like 30 pieces. Yeah. Um, instead of charging them based on, uh, I think it's typical high commission, you know, I just decided to add a small fee to these pieces. That way they could show as many pieces as they like without having to worry about scrapping up, you know, money on the front end. Yeah. And it's been doing, it's been doing pretty well. Uh, it's been catching some eyes downtown. It's brought in 
clients that typically wouldn't just walk into a, a barbershop or hair salon setting. Um, yeah. The art kind of encouraged them to come in. So I've gained some clients off of both, honestly. Oh, that's, that's okay. So, so pretty much like you have clients that literally just come to for the art. Yep. Oh, and, okay, and, okay. And they I and think, they end up coming in and sitting in my chair too. I think that's pre- that's pretty unique, man. Like I've never, um, I've never seen a barbershop like yours. I think that's pretty unique. You know what I'm saying? It's like the first of its kind. So that's pretty dope, man. Um, so like, do you ever have? Do you have certain customers that come in, they trying to get a haircut and they trying to, you know, get some art? Um, a couple. Yeah. Uh I've been open for about a year, a couple of months. So um I have a couple, some one or the other. Yeah. Uh a lot of times they come in, they may look for the art, they may look for some art specifically. They may purchase something, they may not. They still typically set an appointment with me at a later date for a hair service. Yeah. Okay. Now, now tell us about like your, um, like starting off as a barber. Like, w- when did you start? When did you first start cutting hair, and what was that like for you? Uh, I first started cutting hair on my own head. Uh, yeah. ten, 10 years old. Wanted to say fresh all the time. Dad was like, "I'm not sitting you in the chair every day to to line you up. You need to learn how to do it yourself." Yeah. So I started whacking at my own hair tearing it up uh it took a couple of years for me to get the hang of it but uh once i got the hang of it my cousins they started wanting to you know get cleaned up you know yeah. it was a little hobby wasn't doing nothing we you know we're kids we don't know any better All right um got to college and it changed my clientele base started to grow um a couple of my clients were like dom i think you should go to school yeah yeah so decided to go to school, and I was doing barber school and going to Winston-Salem State University at the same time. Yeah. Um, crazy schedule, especially going back and forth with uh, messed up transportation and limited funds. So that was a, that was a whole story on its own. Yeah. Uh, college, I got out four years flat. Barber school, it typically takes 10 months because I was doing part-time at first. Yeah. Ended up taking a year and a half. Okay, okay. So, so like, how did you how did you balance that out, you know, uh, being a full-time student and also going to barber school? Like, you know, what was that like day-to-day? Man, I had full-time student at Winston-Salem State. I was working part-time at Food Line. And going to barber school at the same time and still kind of working on the side after I got off. Uh, I don't, I I would say I didn't have a balance. It was live all yeah. day, every day. Yeah. Sun up, sun up to sundown. Um, the only balance I had, I guess I would say, would be work and sleep. Right. Just grinding, grinding. And that, it, look, didn't have, when you don't have a choice, you have to go ahead and get that in. Right. It's right. no, I don't, I don't look at it as a, as no alternative, no option. My plan B was my plan A. Right. That's fire. That's fire. So I mean, um, you know, what what was it like cutting hair on campus? Because I remember you used to cut my hair on campus and you know, uh I remember I met you uh freshman year in two thousand eleven and uh I know when you first cut my hair, I said, Man, 
I'm not gonna let anybody but Dom cut my head. I ain't cause you know, I know uh there were guys, there were other guys that were trying to cut hair and they was messing people's heads up. So Oh yeah. I <laughs> I still hear those hear those stories. Yeah. And so like even, you know, and then I, I was like, you know, either I'm gonna cut my head or Dom, you know, so I'm gonna hit up Dom. So I mean, what was that like when you were cutting hair on campus for you? Another crazy schedule, um, hopping from dorm room to dorm room in between classes all day long, missing parties, missing events. But, I mean, I had to I had to do that in order to keep gas in the car, keep food in my mouth outside of going to the cafe on, on Chicken Wednesdays. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't know. I, I really didn't look at it as work. I just yeah. looked at it as a survival tactic. I knew I had to do it. It had to be done. There was no other option. It was either stand up and, and get things taken taken, uh, or go ahead and put the work in. So Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. So so tell me about like the evolution of you know, starting off working in other barbershops and then, you know, now you're in your own. How does that feel to be in your own shop? It feels good, but I feel like the work is just getting started. I don't think I have reached potential yet. Yeah. Uh, some people say, oh, you know, this is big. You should give yourself a pat on the back. I'm like, to me, this is like ground zero. Beforehand, it was like getting up to ground zero. So I feel like, you know, now I'm at that that breaking even stage and I got to put even more work in. I feel like I work more now. I feel like I work more now. I feel like I have more clients now. I feel like uh, the liability, of course, is much more because this is all based on me now versus, you know, me just going into somebody else's shop. Right. And it's not hurting me if I decide not to come to work or to come to work. Right. So I feel like I feel like the pressure is really on now. Yeah. And and, and do you feel like you're able to handle it? Like, do you feel like, you know, it's nothing? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm so I'm used to it. Yeah. It's. To me, it's no different than waking up, eating breakfast, and getting my day started. I, I go through the motion. As soon as I get to work, I'm, I'm in grind mode. I don't complain. I don't worry about much. I, fin- I finish the day out every day. Uh, some days, I mean, it's, of course, standing up all day isn't the best. So I take extra protocols, you know, towards recovery. So, I mean, I do massage therapy. I do... Uh, acupuncture sometimes I do a lot of stretching yeah um this pandemic kind of shut the gym down so i'm just kind of getting back into the motion of that uh i start i road cycle for a while um but uh i guess I, I would say i don't really look at it as work i mean it's it's something i'm naturally good at right uh something i love to do i get to move my own schedule i get to come and go as i please so um, I mean, those are the perks, right? But but uh, and I think my pros outweigh my cons, right? All right, all right, that's cool, that's cool. Now you said um, you know, you take very very you know very big protocol, very important protocol as far as like taking care of your body. I think that is like super important, especially when you're working like super hard. Um, you know, how often do you? like say get a massage or do acupuncture how often you do that i would recommend basic i would say 
one of each once yeah. a month. Yeah. Uh, if somebody has the funds to do so, twice a month wouldn't be too bad. Because I mean, your body's getting real tense. Right. I learned that. I learned that the hard way. Uh, working all the time. You know, I'm I'm getting off. I'm riding my bicycle thirty miles. You know, a couple of days a week. Not stretching. Not doing any kind of rehab after work. And messed around and caught sciatica. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a that's a pinched nerve. Yeah. In uh, simple terms. Uh, after that, it took me. I went through therapy maybe. 12 months mm-hmm. still made the work didn't miss work but i mean it was hurting yeah you know every day but uh after that i really took serious took it real serious about making sure i do rehab after you know after work at, at least one or two things a day at least stretching at least uh you know some kind of minor exercise right keep the blood flowing but uh now i would recommend anybody that's on their feet or sitting down at a desk you got to do some kind of rehab if you don't it will catch you later that's very true. Very true. Because um, I used to work at I used to work at a, a an insurance company, and I was like filing claims, and they literally you would sit all day for eight hours straight. And at first, I thought, and I you know I was there for about I was there for about five months. Uh-huh. And at first, I thought, you know, I can knock this out, sit down, filing claims. Well, first off, filing claims is not easy, <laughs> but uh sitting there all day man like it really starts to weigh on your back and then your posture you know if you don't have a good posture in general that's really gonna make it even worse for you and so oh it would tear it up yeah and i I, I realized man i was like i gotta get up out of here i can't do this i can't do this every day all day i realized you know i'm better off you know i I, then i got a job where you know i'm just moving around and that was actually better for me so yeah i definitely agree with that man What's up, guys? I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are, I want you to take a screenshot of yourself listening, and I want you to tag at underscore the Black Both Media Pod. That'll be a big help as far as getting the message out. Also, I want you to go ahead and leave a five-star review and go ahead and subscribe. And let's get back to the show. But yeah, so... um like I was saying, like I, I definitely agree with you. Um, as far as you know, you definitely got to get that recovery. Um, even now, like after when I come off a job, I'm I'm stretching, trying to you know massage some of the muscles that are you know feeling real tense, man. So you definitely got to take care of your body. Now, um, one interesting thing, man, that I wanted to point out is that your barbershop is actually featured in. Uh, black fly on the wall. Shout out to you know Aaron Lyle Jr. Um, how how does that feel to you, man? Oh, feels good. Uh, he called me and actually spoke to me about it last year, I believe. Yeah. Um, he was interested in coming to Winston Salem. You know, looking for an upscale location that he could, you know, branch off and and get his movement going. Yeah. Um, you know, he's one of my close friends, so you know, I was honored to go ahead and set that up. Uh, it was a good vibe there. It was cool. Uh, people were nice. Yeah. Um, the topics have various uh, topics, you know, among all scales, categories. I think it went well. Uh, I was featured in some of them, but I sat down and listened to most of them. Yeah. Got, got some good information. Uh, networked with some good people that I wasn't used to, to seeing around the city. And, you know, ran into 
you know, some people that actually can help me out in the future, or vice versa. Right. Yeah, I, and I think and I think that's super important. Like that, you know, that that's like presenting an opportunity to where you can form like and build new relationships. Yep. So I think that's pretty dope. I think you know, utilizing relationships is very important. Um. So like, what type of you know, being in being in being featured in that, um. What type of opportunities or relationships has this this presented to you? Uh see, what would I say? I met some more people that had networks, networking uh, groups in art. Um, I had some people that said they were gonna put some words out there as far as getting new barbers, new stylists in. Yeah, so I may I may hear from somebody in regards to that. Right. Um, I don't know. I, I ran into a lot of people that I knew, you know, from college. I did not, I was not familiar with them personally, but I got a chance to get to know these guys. Uh, people in finance and people in education, people in, um, you know, organizations, folks that's doing, you know, videography work, advertising. So I, I think I will be able to use some of those resources yeah. as I expand. Um, it was good to see other, other guys, other men like myself, that were business motivated. Right. It's, it's kind of slim to none nowadays. If you look at it, you know, worldwide. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah. So, um, let me ask you something, man. Like, you know, as far as, you know, the, the, the industry of being a barber, what are some of the, like, let's say some, what are some of the worst experiences you've had, you know, when it comes to being a barber? The worst experience being in a shop where it's not properly organized and let's say somebody has some drama and when yeah. it comes in the barbershop, everybody sees it is on level 100 and it's chaos. Uh, that would probably be the worst experience, especially when you're trying to grow personally or you have some type of uh high-end clientele in the business that makes it real you know shaky right right gotcha so i mean did you ever did you ever feel like some of the shops you were in like they were stunning your growth um i feel like when it comes to stunting growth you don't know until you get to the point where it's time to move so uh you know, at previous places I was at first, you know, I'm there, I'm comfortable, I'm making money, I'm growing, I'm building building a business. Yeah. Uh, it seems like it's perfect, but then it gets to a point where you feel like you're about to max out. Yeah. Of course, the first step is to try to find some kind of middle ground with, you know, that owner or that manager to, to try to grow or try to expand so that it's more comfortable for you still. Yeah. And then if it does not work, that's when you should look at, you know, another another outlet in your field. Um, I wouldn't necessarily st- say that a place would stunt your growth, but I think you can outgrow a place. Right. Definitely agree with that. Definitely agree. So, um, like, so, okay, so when it comes to, you know, like future plans, what are some of your future plans as, you know, the CEO of, of a barbershop? Um, 
So the goal, the ultimate goal is to be a full service shop. So I, I currently have a, a barber shop permit. I have a cosmetic art permit, which is for a cosmetologist too. So I yeah. have a double permit there. Um, the goal is to be full service, nail technicians, massage therapists, uh, body waxing, hairstyles, haircuts. Yeah. Um, sun, uh, bed tanning if I ever had the space because uh all of all of those things really fit into global personal grooming uh, as well as like an esthetician. Yeah. So which I've already worked with one before. Um that's the ultimate goal. I would like to purchase a property at that point and expand. Yeah. Um I think that would probably be the the maxed out spot in regards to what I'm doing. And of course to have a uh, have this location in the middle of a huge art gallery that would be dope to me. Yeah, that, yeah, that actually sounds pretty dope. It does. Um, so you know, you said that you want to like purchase property. Do you plan on purchasing property like in different states or different cities? Oh, I'm looking statewide and international. Okay, okay. I'm already I'm already investing. Uh, I'm pretty aggressive with it. I have an yeah. investment club. Couple of couple of folks that invest with me as well. Um, our goal is to purchase some commercial property or vacation property next year. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm like an avid investing person. I, I have to go ahead. That's my that's my downtime. That's like my side hobby. Yeah. Um, eventually, I wanted to be an extra source of income. Right. That's pretty cool, man. Um. So so like when it you know I I actually started investing as well i started investing uh this year um you know just buying like little shares here and there um so what what interested like what got you interested in actually investing breaking that uh that curse of not having generational wealth not leaving something behind Mm, yeah my parents i mean my parents you know they're they're common day hard-working people but you know the the idea of you know people retire parents retiring that kind of thing you know they still gonna have to work their parents didn't leave much you know behind for them to work with financially so yeah I feel like that is key and important and why not have something set in place where you decide that you do want to stop your full time job and just relax right you need some kind of income coming in especially with you being an entrepreneur self employed you don't get no uh, no four hundred one k from your job. You know you don't get no pension. You have to set up for your own retirement. Right. And, and, and so, most, I'm sorry. Most, most people in our industry don't. They usually retire and find another job because they didn't save. They yeah. did not invest to have any kind of residual income coming back. I do not want to end up in that category. So that's why I consider investing early i've been doing it for about six years and i've introduced i would say at least 20 30 people into it has been invested heavy as well and it's benefited them and if they had kids it's going to help them out when they go to college that's that's wow that's really dope man i i definitely uh i definitely feel you on you know breaking generational curses um definitely i think that's you know i commend you for that man definitely um so you know, I know you said you invest you you invest in commercial properties and stuff. Is there anything else that you invest in, like 
Are there so, like companies or, you know? Yeah, so I, I will not buy my first commercial property until next year. I haven't, okay. I haven't purchased anything yet. Uh, right now, it's mainly mutual funds, um, stocks, and commodities for the most part. Yeah. I've got a I've got a financial advisor. He goes through these, you know, accounts and purchases with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. Uh, we make a educated, smart purchase, and we we sit on it. It's supposed to be long term, so I'm investing to it monthly. Uh, the goal is to find a place that I can utilize and lease out as well. Yeah, that's pretty cool, man. That is super cool. So, you know, um, when it comes to like, say, say you have like a young, a young person that, that, you know, they want to know how to get into the game of, you know, cutting hair. Like what kind of advice would you give them? Hmm. What kind of advice? I would say start building your clientele up before you decide to go to barber school. Uh, if you go in school and do not try to build your clientele up at all, it will be difficult for you to transition from the school into an actual place of business. Um, if you're around, if you're working on somebody such as myself, you know, I'll help, but there's only so much, you know, I can do because I got my hands full as well. Right. So it would really help if a person decided to build their clientele during that process because if you have loyal clients, they'll follow you through school and, you know, into a shop once you're finished. Right. True, true, true. Okay. Um. So, yeah, man, tell us about, like, before you opened up the shop, I, I imagine that, you know, you, you said you were, you know, working and working around the clock. I imagine that it was pretty easy to save. Is that, was that so? Uh. Saving is easy if you know how and if you know if you need to save. Uh, when I first started, I wasn't saving any money. Every week, the money I made was going right back out. Yeah. It went to one pocket out to somebody else's pocket. Um, as I got older, I realized a lot of stuff I had bought was unnecessary. Uh, if I wanted to get serious and, and grow, I needed to start prepping myself. So I started saving by forcing myself to set up a, a Roth IRA, forcing myself to invest, and forcing myself to stop purchasing uh, materialistic things that didn't really matter as like uh, perishable items, I'd say. Yeah. So, you know, being a sneakerhead that had to go, uh, being a, a, a brand fanatic that had to go, um, the only thing I would say that stayed would probably be technology and I think it's somewhat beneficial still because technology is growing and you need it to, to advertise you need it to yeah, yeah. to grow and keep up with these modern day businesses so um, just cut just cutting out the, the, the little things that were unnecessary for me Yeah, I helped a lot um, but forcing myself to invest and, and put money up for retirement helped me start uh, I basically got to a point where my investments, I was able to take 35, 40% of my investments out and use that money to open up my own shop. Wow. But it took about eh, 
I didn't start. I started in 2013. I didn't start saving until probably 2015, 16. So I'll say, you know, four or five years. I put that money aside. Wow. So so okay. So you say you were able to take 40 percent of your investments. Like so, basically, you had money coming in from those already. Right. 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 Wow. That's pretty cool, man. That's pretty cool. Um. Wow. That's that's very fascinating. Um, so, you know, with the investment group, because I know you were talking, we were talking about that earlier. Like, how, how did you start that? Uh, I, it, the idea came from, uh, I guess I would say most of my ideas start from me lacking, lacking something or not being able to be educated on that specific topic from, yeah. you know, the younger days. And once I got into the avenue, I wanted to educate others. So, you know, I wasn't introduced into investing. I had to do it myself. Yeah. Uh, once I got the swing of things and, and, and got with my new advisor, you know, he taught me the ropes, uh, helped me grow. I got to a point where I was like, hey, I, I think I want to bring you new clients, you know, my advisor. And I feel like people, you know, my age, younger that haven't been introduced to it, I feel like they need to get involved with this. It's, it's helpful. Definitely. So I start. I started Investment Club, uh, talked to some of my closest clients, friends, um, and brought forth the idea. Some of them were interested in it. Some of them chose to wait. Yeah. And I would say, you know, the guys that joined, the girls that got involved, they're benefiting off of it. Um, uh, it was just more of a, you know, hey, I was not brought up under these type of financial settings. I was not introduced to this, you know, sure. from somewhere else. I had to seek my own information. And I feel like if, if I was able to get out here and learn it myself, why not save someone else the trip and, and bring this information forth to them so that they don't have to go through that same struggle? Right. right. That's cool, man. That's that's cool. Um, So, I mean, do you think you're at a point now where – you pretty much you have like a lot more knowledge about investments and you can look at an investment and know when it's going to go down or up. Like, do you feel like you're there? Uh, that's kind of a, it's like a Russian roulette type thing there. Um, investing is about balance. So, yeah. uh, I mean, of course, investing is always a risk, but you can limit your risk depending on what smart choices you make. All right. So nowadays, I know some people do this, not all, but, uh, you know, they'll purchase one stock and they'll purchase a competitor so that when one stock is down, the other one is up. Yeah. I think that definitely works. Me, myself, I'm a dividend person, so I'm always looking for something that's a dividend payout. That way, no matter if it's the market is down or up, I'm still getting my dividends as long as I own shares. Right. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Like, I think like some of the, the shares I've purchased, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm still, of course I just, you know, again, I started this year, so I'm definitely still, you know, growing in that. But, um, one thing I, I found out about was rights. It's called rights. 
um, real estate investment. Uh, I think it's real estate and uh, I forgot what it's called, but it's R I E T S. Um, uh-huh. And so pretty much like what that does is it's like investing in real estate without actually buying real estate. You know what I mean? So you can buy shares uh, called R-E-I-T-S. Right. Yeah, it's, it's limiting your liability. So you, you, can, right. you can get paid off of it without being a, like a majority owner taking the risk. Right. Yeah, I got something like that I'm actually trying to create now. I'm in a contest for it. Hopefully I win it uh, to set up that type of structure. Okay, like so you said a contest, like what what's the what's the type of contest? Um, so I just entered a contest that's supposed to help me get my, my branding and, and those things together. Yeah. And if everything is completely structured by the time I finish, you know, I have the opportunity to use some funds from them in order to help get everything situated and structured properly. Okay, okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Um, is that something that you just entered this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was something that was last minute, uh one of my friends brought it to me, the idea, looked it up, thought about it. I was like, it was cool. Um, but, I mean, there are, var- there are various companies. There's, there's a lot of companies around that do all t- kind of stuff like that throughout the year. We just have to go out and find it. They won't advertise it to you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool, man. So, tell me, man, like, you know, since we're talking about investments, like, how do you feel about, like, precious metals like gold and silver, like, investing in those? Um. I think it's a good idea. I'm all about uh, diversifying. So if you're going to purchase gold and silver, I would say, or, or platinum as well. Yeah. I would say out of your whole income, no more than 10%. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because, I mean, that that's something that's going to sit long term. I mean, it's, unless the market drops and that value goes up. Yeah. You'll you'll sell it and get your money back, but I would say no more than ten percent of uh of your income. Okay, okay, that's what's up, man. I, I would that, that's definitely noted, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, man, I I definitely I appreciate you for uh coming up here, man, and and um I definitely commend you for you know just sticking to it, grinding, and and opening out your own shop, man. I definitely hope uh wish 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 for you the best, um. And how, how how can you know if somebody wants to get in touch with you um, through social media or email? How can they reach out to you? Uh, so my Instagram, it's w a l dot o l o g y. All right. So it's a wallology. Gotcha. Um, Facebook. It's just simple. Uh, first three letters of my first name, first three of my last name, uh, D O M, and Wall W A L. All right. And uh, and congratulations on your your podcast too, man. I've been keeping up with you. Uh, you're putting up. Putting I appreciate some it, good man. stuff. Thank you. Good stuff. Yeah, I, I said, man, I'm a. I felt like this is a perfect opportunity. Um, to get it started, man, definitely. Uh, my my whole goal was to try and connect consumers with black business owners, um, or even somebody that wants to just learn something about you know being a black business owner. So I appreciate that, man, definitely. Oh yeah, it's rare for a business or you know people in general to 
share information amongst one another without seeking, you know, some kind of financial yeah. gratitude yeah. in return. Uh, it's real rare. Most people, they're not trying to give nobody no shout outs. They're not giving anybody any any looks. They're not passing any information without something in return. So I, that's, that's a good thing you're doing. It's rare. Uh, hopefully the people that you are uh, helping are very appreciative yeah, of it. I thank know you, I man. I, thank you. I really appreciate that. Um, but, but yeah, man, th- this is the end of the episode, guys. Um, again, we had uh, Dominic uh, Walker, the CEO of Touch of Art, as well as an investor. Um, that's something new that I learned about him. Um, but, yeah, guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you were able to learn something. Um, and we're going to be out. Peace. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Peace. What's up, guys? It's me again. So tell me, what did you think about the show? I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did, I would love for you to take a screenshot and tag at underscore the Black Wealth Media Pod and share this on your Instagram stories with your friends. That would be very appreciated. Also, go inside the podcast app to subscribe, leave a five-star rating, and a five-star review. This helps us get the message across all over the world so more people can listen. On top of that, I really do hope you guys enjoy the show. And I'll see you next week on the Black Wealth Media Podcast.